I've been sitting there for a long time. Uh, a little bit of a baseball analogy. I think they went way back into the bullpen, found someone that uh, uh, used to pitch or something, <laughs> do something, and brought him out this morning because everybody else flew the coop. And so we're here alone, <laughs> except for all the staff is in uh, Manitoba this morning at uh, uh, a retreat there, uh, learning more about the uh, renewal, church renewal. And uh, so they, I was asked to uh, speak. Let's just bow in prayer as we begin. Would you stand with me maybe? I know you just sat down, but uh, if you would. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you because you have uh, brought to us Jesus Christ to give us life and hope and passage into your kingdom and into eternity uh, in his name. We thank you, Lord, for the great gifts of God toward us, unworthy mankind. We thank you that you love the world. And so we worship and adore you this morning. Be honored and glorified as we think together of your goodness and of your power and of your, uh, of your life in us. Be honored, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Plain and simple. Wow, you read this portion, and I don't know that it's so simple. Uh, when you talk about the woes and the uh, blesseds, uh, it's Luke chapter 6. You can grab it in your Bible. Now, I'm going to be reading and, and working out of a new American standard. Most of what I have done in my life of speaking has been more of an in-classroom, and I like the new American standard myself, and I'll stick with it. Uh, you'll be seeing new, uh, the NIV version up here, I believe. Uh, but uh, I always liked it when you get a couple of versions, you different versions of Scripture, because then you can see this one says that, this one says this, and, and I learned it all in King James language, so I get three versions just by reading a different one uh, when we're uh, in, in a session like this. And uh, it's good to have a couple of versions so that you can just get the nuances of what God is saying through the scripture. Uh, three, uh, two weeks ago, this is the third of the series from Luke 6. And uh, uh, the first week, Steve spoke, and he talked about the woes and the blesseds. I think that's, that was the, that's the toughest part of this uh, portion, the woes and the blesseds. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who hunger now, blessed are you when men hate you and, crit and criticize you for the sake of the Son of Man, and woe to the rich and the well-fed now, and woe when all men speak well of you. All the things we want are woes, and uh, blessed are the poor, the hungry, and it's just so strange. I can just see heads shaking on that plane. You know, what is he talking about? You have to kind of picture, a, I think it would be a mountainside and, and a bit of a, 
a plain on it. One place in Matthew, I think it speaks of, of a grassy place that they sat on. I don't know where you find grass. We were in Israel, and it's all rock. And I thought, well, they probably sat on those rocks and up against them with their, in the sun and uh, listened to Jesus. Uh, but um, the, uh, that was the first week. Second week began with uh, uh, Chris doing his epic William Wallace. Is it William Wallace? You remember? <laughs> epic. Uh, you can take our land. How did it go? can take our land, but they can't take freedom. Remember? <laughs> he was talking about great speeches. And then he had a box of... Uh, Fruit Loops or something up here, and he was pouring them back and forth from one chamber to another and dipping them. And uh, his whole uh, his uh, message was on um, stuff so high that that um, just didn't know. I don't know how you do it. Love your enemies. Pray for those who abuse you. Give or lend, and don't expect anything in return. And it's tempting to say you can't live uh, that way. And that's partial truth. Few people do, and maybe, maybe none. But that's the standard and the instruction that Jesus gives to us, and it's high. So I received a phone call uh, about three weeks ago, asked if I could uh, uh, do the third week of the series. I'm just going to read a little bit here so I kind of get this right. And my immediate inclination was to decline. There are many good teachers among us, and most of my speaking is with smaller groups. And, but I said I'd get back to them, and I was interested because the passage ended with the story of the wise man and the foolish man, and I really, I like that story, so I, I wanted to look at it. And I read the entire section, and it began with a blind man leading a blind man into the pit, and then it went on about wanting to remove the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own. And I'm having cataract surgery tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I thought, I, you know what I thought? I thought, I bet Darlene Buchanan's having something to do with that up here. She's just got that twisted sense of humor. And I had the sense that God was, that, that the Lord was up there just... <laughs> sort of snickering about this. Ask him to, to speak and tell him he has to speak about the log and then go have cataract surgery tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, the other bad thing about it is that I can't see the clock. <laughs> and if I fall off the stage, uh, that's why I have a chair here. <laughs> uh, so, here we go. The Pharisees, well, maybe we'll just read this, Luke 6. He spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will not they both not fall into a pit? And a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye? Do not notice the log that's in your own. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see a log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. 
First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So uh, the Pharisees uh, were consumed. Jesus really had a thing about the Pharisees. Uh, He uh, doesn't treat them well. They were consumed about rules and rules about rules, and they set the uh, target at what they could hit, and then they blamed everybody else if they couldn't hit the same target. They, uh, they, uh, they were critical. They were um, controlling. They were condemning. They were judgmental. They were hypocritic, hip- critical and hypocritical. Isn't that interesting? Critical and hypocritical. I tried to figure what, what is that? Critical and hypocritical. What's hypo? That's, who knew, who's the, Larry, are you that back there? <laughs> What's hippo? In, yeah, that, that sounds like a uh, hypocritical. What language is that? Hippopotamus. What's that mean? Yeah, yeah, bigger than. So a hypocritical would be really critical with a twist to it. Not living up to what the standard that they set for themselves. And the Pharisees had that problem. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of of the Pharisees. Now, leaven was like, what, yeast, isn't it? Isn't that what it is? And I remember watching my mom's bread rise. Ooh, how I miss my mom's buns. <laughs> she watched those, that bread rise uh, with the yeast, and, and it would just go all through it. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, because it's like a contagious. It will spread. Phariseeism, that critical judgmental, condemning uh, attitude can spread. Beware. And he over and over again warned us of that. So he talked about the blind leading the blind. Then he talked about in uh, verse 41 and 42, uh, the speck in the log. The speck in the log. So you got a picture and somebody with a big log sticking out of his eye. I was going to bring a log today and I didn't, but, uh, you know, great big log. Stick, and he's trying to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. He's, he's, he's being critical and, and uh, on somebody for some little thing that they're doing that isn't right. But he's got such, such uh, a mess in his own life that uh, he's not, he can't see it. I, I know exactly how he feels this morning to try to take a speck out of somebody's eye. Um, I got three observations real quick. You can take these home and, and talk about them. Uh, these are not really scriptural kind of stuff. This is just some thoughts that I had. As soon as we start a criticism of someone else, according to verse 31, go back to verse 31 of this chapter, that has already been studied last week, or a corollary of it, we are saying, it's fine if you want to criticize me. As Soon as we start to be critical of someone else, we're saying, go ahead and criticize me. Because Jesus has already taught us 
how you want to be treated, treat others. So as soon as we start to be critical of someone, go ahead, help yourself, have at it. Tell me what's wrong with myself. Uh, that's what, in essence what we're saying. Observation number two. When someone goes after a matter we disagree with, we seldom are persuaded. After we respond with a often we respond with a defensive attack, pointing out why that person is a hypocrite or not consistent in what they're saying or what they're doing or trying to get across to us. And I was just like, take this, okay? This is not, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, Jane Fonda visited Fort McMurray. And she flew up in her jet and uh, then flew around with a helicopter and then she condemned Alberta for its oil policies and she got on our prime minister for pipelines and then she got in her jet and flew back to Texas or Hollywood or whatever. <laughs> now, her message was that we, we need to protect the environment. But our immediate, an Albertan, and I have a little bit of that because I lived there for eight years, but an immediate response is, well, look at you. Eh? Isn't that what we do? So as soon as we become critical, you can expect that somebody is going to attack you for your weakness. You go after somebody's weakness, and what we do is we have a defense mechanism that de tries to uh, derail and uh, dissuade what is being said. I mean, the good message, take care of our environment, but we defend ourselves with, with an attack back at the uh, hip hypo hypocrisy, there's that word again, and inconsistency, I think is a really good word that describes it, inconsistency of, of, the, uh, of the person. So, second observation, and take it or leave it, I'm not being political hardly. Uh, we all struggle with, uh, with hypocrisy though. Uh, we use the speck removal to hide our own log problems. We, we hide our own log problems by, look, by trying to pick away at somebody else's little thing. And we hide those log problems. Um, we use speck removal to make ourselves feel better. Because it makes us feel a little better than what we are and the log though can blind us to how we really look to others so beware he says beware of the specks and the logs in your life and that's all I'm going to say about that <laughs> we go to verse 43 now we have a good tree and a bad tree um, I visited my uncle one time uh, in uh, California and he had an orchard that he'd bought as an investment and he took us up there and he said there's just full of oranges he said beautiful oranges but you can't eat them and uh, we went up and sure enough the, the oranges on that uh, in that orchard were all bitter they looked good but they were bitter and uh, Jesus here says that you uh, 
you, uh, you don't get good fruit from, you get good fruit from a good tree, but you don't get bad, no, you don't get good fruit from a bad tree. You don't get figs from thorns, he says, and you don't get grapes from briars. And those of us who farmers after last year's crop know that you don't get lentils from thistles. We planted lentils. <laughs> the, there was a field of thistles and uh, too much rain. So when, uh, so where is he going with all this? My way of studying a segment of scripture of God's word is to look for the core in uh, in a in a portion. And so as I read through all of Luke chapter six, I was looking: what's the core? What's he really getting at here? What where is it? And uh, I found it down in verse forty-five. I think for me. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart. I can't read it on the screen there, so I'm not sure what you're reading. <laughs> brings forth what is good, and the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that, uh, that which fills his heart. And that's where I saw... Uh, the core of this scripture. The scripture here, as I see it, and this is the approach I want to take now, is that this is about the heart. This is about, this goes uh, to the very heart of a person. So you have all these good things that, we, that uh, Jesus talks about in the early part, the woes and then the blessings. The woes and the blessings come out of the heart of the person. Uh, the good tree, the bad tree, the very heart, the evil out of the, uh, uh, the good heart, the good treasure of his heart, the good man, and out of the evil treasure of his heart, uh, the evil man. There's a sister verse in Matthew 15, 19, and the description includes... The description of the heart, the evil heart, it, inc it includes things like evil thoughts. Out of the heart, out of the very heart of a person comes evil thoughts. Uh, murders, out of the heart. Uh, adulteries, comes out of the heart. Fornications, thefts, false witness. Slanders rooted in the human heart, the unchanged heart of the human. That's the, uh, that's where the, these things, and I mean, in our day today, we, we are seeing uh, some uh, very challenging, difficult things that are, are going on in our world around us. And you look, and uh, if you really think about it, it comes out of the evil of the human heart, the things that are deep inside. These defile the man, Jesus said. You can try to produce the kind of fruits that uh, Steve and Chris's sermons uh, talked about, and it might even look like good fruit, but it isn't. And this is my core thought for the morning. 
Uh, if you can't, if you get it, one thing, it's, uh, this is what I think is the core thought of what I want to uh, give to you this morning. Jesus can change a heart. Jesus can change us at the very core of our life. And I was about, I was grade nine, uh, no, grade 12. Uh, we were out, I was out with my friends one night. I, I knew the Lord, but it wasn't very real in my life. And uh, one night, we were out with my friends, and uh, very few of you here who remember me at that time, there's the odd one. I've got a couple cousins here, I think. But uh, we, were, we were not really terrible kids, but for some reason, what the things that we did that night uh, made me, well, we had a great time. I remember being, we just laughed and were silly and all the stuff that you do when you're, you know, at that stage of life, and, and, and we were probably doing things we shouldn't have been doing, but it, it you know, but on the way home, I live about 15 miles out of Moose Jaw, and on the way home, I felt empty. Right to the very core of my being, there was emptiness and dirtiness. And I went home, I fell on my knees, and opened up a Bible that was my mom and dad had given me. And uh, the, only, the only Bible that really made any sense to me at the time was the Psalms. So I opened up the Psalms and it fell open. It's Psalm 51. And uh, I read these verses. Uh, see if I can do it in King James because that's the way I remember it. This, is, this was the verse, and I, I prayed and cried out to God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. This was the cry of David after he sinned, after he committed adultery and murder. Create in me a clean heart, O God. A clean heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I prayed it from the depth of my heart. A clean heart. I feel empty. And something started to change in my life from that time. And uh, I was certainly not, uh, uh, you know, completely reformed or whatever, but God started to work in my life and lead me and direct me and guide me. And I think he answered my prayer. I know he answered my prayer to change at the heart level when I needed to be changed. Not surface level, not behavior. Those things are, they, they don't count before God. It's the heart the very inner person that needs to be changed. And he is the heart changer. Jesus, in his three and a half years of, uh, of uh, ministry, I, I, like to, I like to picture him as he walked around through, uh, 
through the uh, land of Israel and up through the mountains and down by the sea and into Jerusalem and, and down by the Jericho. And, and uh, he met with individuals everywhere he went. And the first one I want to talk about is uh, Z- Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a, uh, he was a, uh, huh. what was he? Tax collector, thank you. <laughs> he was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. He was, uh, uh, he was an Israeli person, uh, a child of Abraham, Jesus said. But he worked for the Roman government, and he was hated by almost everyone. Uh, he would, uh, as a tax collector, he would probably buy his position, and then he was free to take the, the taxes and a little bit extra all the time. It says he was very rich. And so, uh, the other thing about Zacchaeus was? He was a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know the song, don't you? <laughs> Zacchaeus was the Danny DeVito of the Bible. <laughs> the perfect, the perfect player for Zacchaeus is Danny DeVito. And as Jesus walked down into Jericho, he, uh, he was walking along the crowds, it says, were so great. And everywhere he went, you have to picture going through streets and people are crowded and it's noisy and, and maybe children are trying to get to him and people are bringing someone sick, trying to get at him. It was a, a throng of people everywhere he went. And as he came into Jericho, you couldn't get near him. He was, there has never been Anyone who has walked on this earth who is greater. Zacchaeus wanted to see him. In the state of his heart that he was in, he wanted to see him. So, you know, if if you know the story, he ran on up ahead, crawled up into a tree, and was waiting for uh, Jesus to come along. And I just love to think about Jesus walking along. And he's, he's... Dan, Dan, uh, Zacchaeus. <laughs> can, you see, can you see Danny up in the tree? <laughs> oh, my. And he, he looks up at him, and Danny's looking down for the first time in his life. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down here. Now, nobody would ever t- ask Zacchaeus to come, and here's the most, uh, call, the most popular person in town calling for him. And he crawls down out of the tree, and he works his way through the crowd. You can just see Danny doing that, can't you? And comes up to Jesus like this. <laughs> and, uh, and they start to talk. Jesus said, I need to come to your place and dine, and... and, uh, and uh, have dinner with you or stay maybe even overnight. It doesn't really say, but I need to come to your home. I need to come to your home. He dealt right on the one-to-one level with uh, Zacchaeus. Went right to his heart. Zacchaeus is confronted by the living Christ. His response is to say, everything I've ever, ever I've, all I own, I'll give you half. I'm going to give half to the poor. 
And any, if I've ever cheated anyone, I'm going to give four times as much. And the reason was that his heart had gone from being hard and only concerned about getting and popularity, or maybe not popularity as much as some kind of respect, because I think that's what he was crying out for. That was his reason, I think, for trying to accumulate money and, you know, take it as a lesson, eh? But when confronted by Christ, his heart changed and melted, became a different person. I'd like to have seen him uh, in the next few years because uh, I'm, I'm sure that he had an impact on that town of, on that city of Jericho. There was a woman at the well, you know that story. If, uh, if you've read uh, John, John chapter 4, um, she, Jesus has to go, it says, through Samaria. He went to this little town of Sychar. And it was a town in Samaria of people who were outcasts from, from Israel. They uh, were not, they were thought to be less than or nothing by, uh, by the Jewish uh, religious. And Jesus, it says he had to go through that town. There was one person there that he needed to, uh, he needed to talk to. And uh, he went to a well, sent his disciples into the town and sat at the well, sat on the edge of this well and a woman came along and uh, it was noon and uh, he said to her, give me to drink. And she said, well, how is it you being a Jew will ask me, a woman of Samaria, to give you a drink? And Jesus said, uh, if you knew who was asking you, I think this is the part we miss about this story. I think we're so so focused on the woman and you know, what her past was and who she was that we miss the offer. Jesus said this. He said, if you knew who it was who is speaking to you, you would ask me for, do you know what it is? Living water. Life. Living water. He offered this woman living water. He said, if you, have, if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. He's talking about the heart, isn't he? That change of heart that, that satisfies someone who has been abused, uh, hurt in so many ways. She'd had five husbands, and the one man she was living with at this time wasn't her husband, she was despised by other people. She was despised for her race. She was, uh, she was, life hadn't treated her well and she had made mistakes. And Jesus said, you'd ask me and I will give you life, living water. I just love that that he goes to an individual person in a town where you wouldn't expect him to go and offers a change of heart right at the deepest level. There was a man who came to Jesus by night, and his name was Nicodemus, and uh, he was a religious man. He, this is the other side of the coin. He was religious. He was a leader of the Jews. Later on, we find out he was rich, 
And he came along one night. I see him as a, I see him as a small uh, man who's looking like this to make sure nobody's seeing him. None of his colleagues are, are watching him. He comes to the door, goes inside, and they sit with a little oil lamp, uh, maybe on a table or on a, uh, something where they're sitting like this with a little oil lamp between them. Jesus, Nicodemus, and Nicodemus starts saying, you, I know you're a teacher of the Jews, for no man can do what you do except God be with him. And Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> you need to have your heart changed. And he gave him words that, if you read them all, you can read them over and over and over again, and every time there's new nuances that you gain from them. But the greatest part of the whole speech is sitting here. The words that have changed lives all over this globe for 2,000 years. John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those words were spoken to a little Jewish uh, rabbi, we'll call him, a leader of the Jews. And his, later in his life, we find him one more time, don't we? Jesus is now hanging on the cross. His life is gone from him. There's a mass of mess left. One man goes, one man who uh, uh, says he's a rich man from Arimathea, Joseph, he goes and he gets permission. He t it says he gathers up courage and goes and gets permission to take down the body of Jesus and bury him. And there's another man that's with him, we're told. His name is Nicodemus, the same that came to Jesus by night, is how he's described. And I can see these two men. I love how God always has a man or a woman to do the job that has to be done. <laughs> Out of nowhere, the disciples run. Out of nowhere come these two men, rich men, it says. They come take, now picture the messiness of taking down the body of Jesus, laying him in grave clothes. It says that Nicodemus had brought about 100 pounds of uh, myrrh and uh, what was the other one? Of another spice to put into the body. You know, the, the logistics, the, just the thinking of wrapping, maybe even cleaning that body so lovingly, carefully wrapping it and then lifting it, taking it into the tomb, placing it. Nicodemus' heart was changed that day when he came face to face with Jesus Christ. There was another man. This time, Jesus had to cross the sea to get to him. One man that he wanted to get to. Some people say, I'm too bad, I'm too evil, I'm too, I've done too many things. 
they, he told his disciples, let's go across the Sea of Galilee. So they, they started out across the sea and there was a great storm. And I like that. Oh, I like that story. You see Jesus uh, laying in the bottom of the boat and the disciples, the, his followers are uh, panicking because, and these guys know the sea. They, uh, they've lived on the sea all their life. They grew up in the sea and they, they said, they said, Master, do you not care that we're dying? We're going to be killed out here. And Jesus is asleep and he, he rises from the sleep and the storm and the clouds and the, and the hail and the wind and the waves and are blowing and the rain is blasting against them all and Jesus just stands in one version that I've read and I don't know if it's in this one or not, but it says Jesus just spoke to the waves. He said, hush. Be still. And it was a perfect calm. I love that. Hush! <laughs> Just the word of Christ. And he goes to the other side of the lake, of the, of the sea. And he finds there, there's a man who's in the, among the tombs. One man who has been possessed with evil to the extent that they've tried to bind him and they can't bind him. He keeps breaking the binds and he lives among the tombs and he's naked. And, and in, I, I hate those kind of situations where you get into these. It's, I'm very uncomfortable in them. Some of you might have been in, but this was beyond that. This was to the max. This was hypo. Eh? <laughs> and Jesus... Uh, drove the demons out of the, that man. He'd gone all that way for one man that he cared about. Drove them out into swine. They went into the sea, and then he was chased away by the... Uh, uh, the nobody wanted him to be around. But when they came out of the village to see what was going on, they found the man. It says, <laughs> beautiful, fully clothed, and seated because he had come in contact with Jesus Christ. And Jesus had changed him right at the very heart. He had taken the evil, the, 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 the wickedness, and he had driven it away. He's a heart changer. You could talk about Matthew, the uh, tax collector. He was changed. You could talk about uh, the other disciple, uh, Simon, he's called the zealot, the terrorist among them. His heart was changed. He's the heart changer. Around this globe this morning, and these are some of my thoughts about it, he's still changing hearts. Thousands of hearts this morning will be changed as they come face to face with the story of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, resurrection. That story hasn't ceased to, to change the, the person of Jesus, comes into lives and changes. He changes us to, to give us life, and then he changes us as we uh, follow him. We're continually being changed by the person of Jesus. You can try to reform us. <laughs> I can try to reform myself. Doesn't work. I can, try to, I can try to be a better person. Might make me a, I might get a little bit better. But when Jesus changes my heart, things really happen. Uh, I don't know where you're at, but uh, if you have never come to know the heart-changing power of Jesus Christ in your life, that's available to you this morning. 
a prayer saying, Lord Jesus, I need you to change my life. I need you to make me new. If, you're, if you need to have a change in your life as a believer, that's available to you. Let him speak and put his finger on the things that need the change and then uh, open it up. I have a few things here. Hearts that need changing. You help me out maybe. A wounded heart. I have a friend that says, I have a wounded heart. He's one of the Syrians. His brother was shot. I have a wounded heart, he says. A dishonest heart. A half heart. A fearful heart. What other kinds of hearts need changing? Help me. Bitter heart needs changing. Anguish of heart needs changing. Disloyal, boy, I'm hard to hear, but I'm getting it. Pardon? Judgmental heart needs changing. Rebellious heart needs changing, needs Jesus. Hardened heart. Yeah, hardened heart. Someone else back there. Anxious heart. A rejected heart, yeah. Heart, jealous heart. Unforgiving heart. Proud heart, lying heart, weary. Oh, that scripture, the great invitation of Jesus. Come unto me. Come unto me. This is the answer to all those. Come unto me, Jesus says. All you who are weary and heavy laden, all those hearts, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. And he gives us, and I put some of these, uh, a clean heart. <laughs> that's the one that I like, because <laughs> it, 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 that's me. It's not me, but you know, <laughs> that's where he's taking me someday, maybe. And, and it's, I've been changed. A whole heart. Remember, David was a man of whole heart. A listening heart, a humble heart, a generous heart. A generous heart. That's where uh, the beginning of this, this thing started, where some of these things that, that he was leading us to. A generous heart is a, a merciful heart, a loving heart, a caring heart. These are the hearts of the character of God himself, of Jesus Christ himself. That's the character of Jesus. Those kind of things that he produces within us. Um, okay. He can change our hearts. He can change our hearts. The way I've found that uh, he changes my heart 
is when I draw near to him. I, I don't very often just make a decision and, and, uh, and my, you know, I make, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be more clean. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work very good. But when I come, when I really want to become clean, I come to Jesus. And I draw near to him. I can draw near to him in his word. It just speaks. I've re- Personally, I've been reading uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Psalm. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And every time I come to John, my heart leaps. Especially John 1, John 10. Uh, because uh, I find in those places the life, the words that give life of Jesus himself. Now, that's just, I've, you know, I've read it cover to cover a number of times, but at this point in my life, I, I want to know him as best I can. And uh, I just find that if I want to change my, if I want to see my heart change, or if I feel that he wants to change my heart, the way to do it is to be with him, to draw near to him, to uh, spend time in his presence. Let him uh, speak and change me, just like the others who were changed. He is the life changer. The word gives us life and, and, and is involved in the changing, but Jesus Christ changes hearts and he can change you in any way that he seems to speak and deal to change your heart. We come to the end of the uh, chapter. Our text ends with Jesus telling his listeners, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Where, When a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it. And immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. The one house is a little bit more like a Mike Holmes house, I guess, the first one. You know, build it right the first time. Uh, it's harder to build a house right. It, it's it's uh, living by the words of Christ can be more difficult. They're not the easy way the life that comes out of it is much easier and much stronger and much better. So the words of Christ as we're uh, talking about it this morning are words that give you a foundation for life. If you're beginning a life walking with Jesus, uh, it's uh, go to him to change the things in your life that need changing. And he is more than willing to do it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God that gives us, uh, that tells us what you have said and what you want us to know as your people. I pray, Lord, that 
some of these thoughts, whatever they might be, will strike a little bit of a chord in someone's heart this morning, and they will seek not just the change, but the changer, you. Lord Jesus, you are well worth following. You, you just keep giving life. You keep giving to us. You keep making life. I thank you for that. If there's anyone here today who needs to know Jesus, wants maybe for the first time, maybe to have something in your life changed, reach out to him now, draw near to him and pray, come into my life or live in my life fully. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Blessings on you.